Isn't it so great to see people get baptised? Come on, I think we should give these guys another round of applause. So exciting. It's so cool. I don't think there should be many other things as Christians that excite us more than seeing people put Jesus at the centre of their life in that way through baptism, having the boldness to make a public declaration that Jesus is who I'm living for. I think it's pretty exciting. And yeah, as Cal said, if you're here this morning or you're watching online and you haven't been baptised and you would like to, make sure you come and have a chat to one of the team because we would love to baptise you. It's such a great way of people being able to see the grace of God outworked in your life. And this morning, I wanna speak about that grace, about God's grace, the grace of God. The grace of God is the gift we receive when we accept Christ. We accept His authority over our lives and the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us. We experience His grace and His love and His mercy over our lives for the first time. And you see, the grace of God was evidently very important to Paul the Apostle. Because in fact, every letter that Paul wrote ends with something along the lines of, may God's grace be with you all. This is something that Paul valued a lot in his life. And I think you can understand when you look at Paul's life, who, someone who went from killing Christians to having a life-changing encounter with Jesus and then being used to write and build much of the church across the region, write much of the New Testament we have. I can imagine Paul waking up every morning going, oh, Jesus, why on earth would you use me after what I have done? That is the grace of God in his life and it was something that was very important to him. And in fact, the very last verse in the Bible, Revelation 22, 21, says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. The last thing the Bible leaves us with is an encouragement about God's grace in our lives. And so as we approach the end of a year, as we come towards the end of 2020, as we come to the Christmas season, I wanna end the year in a way talking about God's grace. Because actually grace is the reason for Christmas. It is the reason for Christmas that 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ was born in a manger in Bethlehem, lived a perfect life, died on the cross and rose three days later. That is the grace of God in our lives. And so you see, for my Bible reading, I have a plan that takes me through the Bible in a year, gives me a few chapters to read each day, usually about two or three from the Old Testament, one from the New and then a psalm or a proverb. It's just a, a rhythm that helps me keep reading my Bible. And I remember earlier in the year, I was reading through the book of Leviticus, uh, which to put it kindly is dense. <laughs> you know, Leviticus is the, the book that outlines the laws that God gave to Moses that would instruct the Israelites in how they were to live and operate as a society. Guidelines around what they could and couldn't eat, what they could and couldn't, where, what they were allowed to touch and what they needed to stay away from. It gave them the sacrificial system, the various animals and items that could be offered to God for thanksgiving and the forgiveness of sin. Now, it's important to understand that the purpose of these laws was to separate the nation of Israel from the rest of the world. God had chosen them through Abraham to be his people, to be his possession. And so they would therefore be God's representatives to the other nations in the world, it was to set them apart. God was to say, I, I am holy, so you should be holy. The word holy means to be set apart. You are to be set apart 
as my people. And it's easy today to, to read through the, the various sacrifices, the various regulations, the various things that they had to do and to see them as really barbaric, really archaic, really brutal. But when you understand the context of the day, the world that this was written in, Leviticus was actually a revolutionary book. And it was actually a huge blessing to this people because it meant that they could now know where they stood before God. All the other nations, religions, cultures in this time, the gods were more like you and me. Emotional, fickle, unpredictable. They could be completely happy one day and then volatile the next. And the gods dictated everything that happened in society. So when things went wrong, when sickness came, when crops didn't grow, when people passed away, oh no, we must have displeased the gods somehow. And we have to find some way of making them happy again. Yet of course, there was no way of knowing how. No, no way of knowing you were doing the right thing and so people would go to all kinds of extreme lengths to keep the gods happy, including things like sacrificing their own children, cutting themselves, depriving themselves, performing various rituals, all in the hopes it would make the gods happy. And so when the true living God the God who demonstrated his power and authority by liberating his people from the nation of Egypt, displayed his power through plagues, the parting of the Red Sea, a pillar of fire and cloud to lead the people out. When that God, the God who is shown to be above every other name, when that God gives the people a book like Leviticus, to them it would have been incredible because now they could know where they stood before this God. They could know where they stood before him, what his thoughts towards them were. They could understand the way the world works, the way society should run, the way their household should run in order for things to go well with them. Now they knew that this God detested things like harming yourself, detested things like child sacrifice. Now, this God, now they knew that this God's plan for them wasn't for them to live in fear and uncertainty, but this God loved them, cared for them, had a plan for them, and wanted the best for them and their families. What an incredible gift. But we know that the law wasn't the full story. Because unfortunately, the law could only be a response to our behavior. It couldn't have an effect on our hearts. And so enter the Christmas story, where Christ came, died on a cross, paid the price for sin, rose again, leaving sin in the grave, defeating death and giving us the chance for new life, fulfilling the requirements of the law. So now those laws no longer apply to us today. And so again, we too can know where we stand before God. We know that we are made right before Him. We know that He has a plan for us, that His plan for us isn't to live in fear, isn't to live in uncertainty, but to live in the confidence that He loves us. Now He has not only said it, He's displayed it through the cross. The incredible grace of God. And so that's all well and good. But I remember one day as I was reading through it again, I sort of had a candid conversation with God in my head. I sort of said as I was reading through a chapter, God, God, I understand the purpose of the law. I understand that it was to be a temporary system until Christ came. It was to separate the people. I get all that, but surely you could have made it simpler. 
Like Leviticus is 27 chapters long. Why did it have to be so complex? Why did it have to be so intricate, so detailed? God, surely you could have dumbed it down for them just a little bit. Because now with Christ, it's so simple. The grace of God is so simple. Christ has taken the punishment that we deserved. That's mercy. That's us not getting what we did deserve. But then we also receive the blessing of new life, new hope, new joy. We receive the Holy Spirit that lives within us, guides us, teaches us, transforms us. That's grace. That's us getting something we didn't deserve. And in fact, another way of thinking about grace is us getting what Jesus deserved, the unmerited favor of God on our lives. That's it. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. It is a free gift from God, the simplicity of grace. In Romans 3, 21 puts it like this. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are, no matter where you were born, no matter what time you were born, no matter what you have done, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. So simple. And so I wasn't even really seriously asking God about this. It was just a, a pondering I had as I was reading through a chapter and to be honest, I was feeling again really grateful that we don't have to live under those laws anymore And then I just felt God nudge me. Yet how often do you forget? How often do you forget? How often do you forget that you're saved by grace and grace alone? How often do you forget that you are my child, loved by me more than you can imagine? How often do you forget that you can't earn my approval? You already have it. How often do you forget that you have been qualified through the work of the cross? You're not disqualified. How often do you forget that your shame has been removed? How often do you forget that you are a co-heir with Christ? You're saved into his kingdom. Your eternity is secure. How often do you forget that regardless of how many times you make mistakes, how many times you stuff up, how many times you sin, my grace is sufficient for you. We as humans have the tendency to want to tick boxes, to want to work for it, to want to compare ourselves. We want a measuring stick to work towards. The trouble is, is the measuring stick is God and the standard is perfection. But through Christ, God's grace means His perfection covers our failings. No wonder we always forget it because it's so beautifully simple. Second Peter 1 Verse two says, may God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. But then a few chapters later in the same book, he says, rather you must grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. So he starts the book with, may God give you more and more grace, but then he ends it by saying, no, actually you've got to grow in your knowledge of this in your life so that you don't forget it. So we can't earn our grace. It's a gift of God through Christ. That's what makes it grace. But we can grow in our knowledge of it. 
We can allow God to fill our lives with it more and more and more so that we don't forget it and we don't take it for granted. So to help us grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, this morning I wanna talk about grace from three perspectives. The grace that saves, the grace that transforms, and the grace that sustains. You see, the grace that saves is the grace we receive when we first accept Christ. God's grace is poured out on us because of what Christ has accomplished on the cross. We were dead to sin. We had no hope, yet through Christ's sacrifice, as Hebrews 4 puts it, we can boldly approach God's throne of grace. So even though we forget it at times, we are made right before God. We are accepted by God. Even though we make mistakes, we fall back into old habits, we sin. If we have accepted Christ, His sacrifice covers all that. So when God looks at you and me, He sees the righteousness of Christ on us. We might forget it, but I don't think God will ever forget the sacrifice of His only Son and what it means for you and me. We don't deserve this. We couldn't earn this. God was completely in his rights to leave us where we were. But he is so full of mercy and love towards us that he sent his son, Jesus. And in fact, I remember years ago, I was living in a way where I'd sort of forgotten the grace of God in my life. I didn't really feel like God could use me. I didn't feel qualified. I didn't feel good enough. And in all honesty, I, I didn't really feel like God could forgive me. And it wasn't so much because I had done some outrageous sin that God couldn't forgive me, but it was more because I had Jesus in my life, yet I still did things I wasn't proud of. So I had Jesus in my life, so I knew better. I should be better. I still acted in ways that I shouldn't, and so I started to feel as though God couldn't forgive me. I started to hear the lies of the enemy in my head going, come on, you were raised in a Christian home. You've known God all your life. You read the Bible. You're part of a great church. Why are you still doing the things that you're doing? Why are you still where you are? How on earth could you expect God to forgive you when He's already given you His grace? You're taking it for granted. How God must be so ashamed of you. God must be so displeased with you. He's never gonna forgive you. And so I remember I was praying about this one day. And I remember God spoke to me and you know, you'd think that in a place like that, God would come and He'd wrap His loving arms around you make you feel great, fill you with his love. He told me off. He told me off. Now, it wasn't in a condescending way. It was a telling off in a loving way, from a father to a son. He said, Jono, if you believe that I can't forgive you, then what you're actually saying is Jesus' death isn't enough. If you believe that I can't forgive you, what you're saying is Jesus' death was in vain. And from that moment, I've always remembered that conversation. Even though there comes times where I do start to forget again, I'm quickly reminded that Jesus' death covered everything. God knew what He was doing. And who am I to think that I'm somehow too big or too important that the King of Kings' sacrifice couldn't cover me? The simplicity of grace, the grace that saves. But the incredible thing is, is that grace doesn't just save us, but it also transforms us. Second Corinthians five seventeen, 
This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And earlier in that book, it says, the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. So a new life has begun. It started, we've accepted Christ and our new life begins. We get to live in freedom and in hope. Our chains are broken. The spirit comes and lives within us and helps us make us more and more like Christ. And so when you truly ponder that, that is an incredible thought that God would take us when we're at our worst, not only save us, but commit to a lifelong process of transforming us so that we could be the best version of ourselves that we could be. That he would love us enough to not leave us in our brokenness, but commit, he commits to seeing us live in the freedom that his grace offers. So we can't earn God's grace, but we also can't take advantage of it by continuing to live in our old ways because His grace actually begins to transform us from the inside out. We're all works in progress. We've all fallen short of God's standard. But God's promise to you and to me is to continue to transform us and to help us live in wholeness. And so His grace can get you through any addiction, his grace can get you through any trial. His grace can restore your marriage. His grace can get you through anxiety, can get you through depression, through suicidal thoughts. His grace can get you through any storm. His grace can get you through a job loss. His grace can get you through a pandemic. His grace is sufficient. If the band would like to come and join me. But it's also the grace that sustains us. You know, following Christ is a lifelong journey. And lifelong is the right word because life can be long. It can be difficult. It can be full of trials, different seasons, different challenges. 2020 alone has felt lifelong. Lamentations 3.22 says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. You know, our two kids are every day becoming more and more of a handful. You know, as they get, don't get, we love them, don't get me wrong. They're the greatest things in my life. But I'm sure as every parent understands, as they get older, they just start to become a little bit more challenging. And there are days that are just rough. You know, your limits get pushed. Your patience gets tested. Your anger management could certainly have been better. You're frustrated at them. They're driving you up the wall and across the roof. And you get to the end of the day, the house is a mess, you're exhausted. So you finally get them into bed and you shut the door and I, I just collapse on the couch. And I can get, the, get to the end of the day and can have had an absolute nightmare of a day. Yet when I wake up in the morning and I get them out of bed, and they're snuggling with me in our bed, having a bottle of milk, all is forgiven. My mercy is afresh every morning. And luckily for us, God is the perfect parent. He doesn't have the limitations and the weaknesses that we have. Life can be hard. Life can be difficult. Seasons can be tough. Disappointments come. You can have absolute nightmare days, weeks, if not years, but great is His faithfulness. And His mercies begin afresh each morning. His grace can sustain you through every day of your life, through every season of your life, 
through every trial, through every disappointment. In fact, He said to Paul the Apostle when he was in a weak spot, He said, my grace is all you need because my power works best in your weakness. His grace is all we need. And it has the power to sustain us and keep us through whatever we face in life. That is why the Holy Spirit is the greatest gift. As He comes and He lives inside us, as we trust Him each day, He will equip us with the strength that we need. That's why I love listening to worship music when I'm driving to work. Just a chance again for me to spend time with God, to ask for His presence to be with me through that day. Ask His grace to help me, help me to focus on Him as I start my day. It's the simplicity of grace. The grace that saves us. The grace that transforms us. And the grace that sustains us. God's incredible grace that is poured out on you and me, yet how often do we forget it? And this morning, if you're able, I'd like to ask you to stand with me. Because I'd love to give you a chance to respond this morning. I feel at the end of a year, as we approach the Christmas season, I feel like God wants to minister to some people this morning. Maybe you're just exhausted. Maybe you're coming towards the end of this year and you are just feeling the toll that this year has taken on your life. You know, God's grace is sufficient for you. Maybe you're feeling like I did. You disqualify yourself from God's love. Maybe you feel like what, you, what you've done or how you're living isn't good enough. Let me, let me remind you that Christ died for you. His death was for you. He came for you. You don't need to count yourself out. The only person, the only thing that's counting you out is the devil. And that's because he has been counted out and he knows it and he wants to drag anyone he can down with him, but God has not counted you out. Maybe you're here this morning and you just need a reminder that God's grace is for you. Maybe you need a fresh touch to Ask God to fill you up again as the end of the year. And so with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're here this morning and any of what I've shared has spoken to you and that's you, I'd love to ask you just while no one is looking, just to raise your hand to allow me to pray for you. You just need a fresh touch of God's grace in your life. You need God to again come and fill your life with the grace that can transform you and sustain you. Maybe you're facing addictions again, habits again. Maybe there are holes that are reopening in your net and you need the transforming power of God's grace in your life again. I can see some hands. So let me just pray for you. Lord, we thank You that Your grace is sufficient. We thank You that Your presence can get us through anything we face in this life. That Your promise to us is that You will be with us even to the end of the age. And so Holy Spirit, I ask for those who are responding this morning that they would know again a fresh filling of Your grace right now in Jesus' Name. Lord, where there are people who are exhausted, people who are tired, people who are weary, You say, come to Me, all you are weary, and I'll give you rest. Lord, we proclaim rest in Jesus' Name. Lord, I speak against the lies of the enemy this morning. Where there are those who are doubting your love for them. God, I break that in Jesus' Name. Right now I ask that your love would fill every person here this morning afresh. 
that people would leave here this morning knowing they are loved and accepted and redeemed by God. And then lastly, if you're here this morning and maybe you've never experienced the grace of God, you're here and or maybe you're watching online and you, you wouldn't say that you've got a relationship with Christ. You've never experienced the grace of God that saves you, that transforms you. You know, that is the greatest gift you can receive. It's the reason for this Christmas season that a Saviour was born so that we could again be made right before God, that all the mistakes you've faced in your life, the things that you've done wrong could be washed away and you could again know a new purpose and a new hope and a new life. And so if you're here this morning or watching online and you wanna say, actually, I I wanna have a relationship with Jesus. I wanna accept Him as my Lord and Saviour. I wanna accept His authority over my life and I wanna receive that grace Afresh, if that's you, why don't you just raise your hand if you're online, maybe just mention it in the chat. But if you're here in the room, why don't you just raise your hand right now? Cool, I see those hands over there. Thank you, Lord, I pray for these people. I thank you that you love them that you saw them before the world was created and so you sent your son Jesus to die for them, that you desired relationships so much with them that you would sacrifice your one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I just pray right now that they would know the saving grace in their life. Holy Spirit, you would come and you would open the doors of their heart right now grace that saves. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, if if anyone here has responded to that, if you responded online, I want to encourage you to chat to someone. Maybe come and have a talk to one of the team down the front or go and see the Church Life Station afterwards that we can help you on that journey, help you understand more about what that means. But we're going to sing a song now called Whole Heart. It talks about the grace of God over our lives. And so why don't we declare this and sing this? And I know that the Holy Spirit will move and speak to people, but hey, God bless you, church. It's been so great to be with you. Why don't we stand? We're already standing. Why don't we sing together? Awesome.